Venue IQ, the award-winning UK-based event platform, are proud to partner this podcast series. We really hope you enjoy it, and when you're done, head over to venu-iq.com to find out all about our on-demand event builder service, featuring fully branded native apps and hybrid web platforms created in as little as 24 hours. We believe in live events and getting your audience to the most important content, sponsors, exhibitors and opportunities as quickly and as easy as possible. We don't believe in gimmicks, so you won't find any avatars or digital buildings anywhere in sight. Venue IQ had already won awards for best conference technology and best use of AI. And that was before we added registration, live streaming, one-to-one video meetings, video breakout sessions and much, much more. Simple, transparent pricing that won't blow your budget from a UK-based team who really care. At Venue IQ, we work to ensure your event, whether live, virtual or both, can be a monumental success in this brave new world. That's venu-iq.com. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you are tuning into today's podcast. Um, today, Richard Belcher of First Sight Media is joining me on the podcast. Richard is a long-term partner and friend of mine who's helped us deliver successful Event Tech Live after Event Tech Live, um, helped us with all our live streaming, our filming, our you know recording, all that good stuff. Um, but obviously at the moment, First Sight are helping many organizers deliver their events online and in the future, obviously, as hybrid events as well. So Richard, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. My second visit to the podcast, I have to say. Yes, mm. definitely. So um, before we get into, obviously, the nuts and bolts of what we're, we're, we're here to talk about, um, give us a little brief history of, of how you got into the event sector and what First Sight Media does. Wow. So, okay. So, um, uh, so I joined First Sight in 2006. Uh, seems like just yesterday, but 2006. And pretty much then all we did was graduation ceremonies. We, we produced um, uh, graduations and then DVDs of that. And we sold, well, in fact, it was VHSs as well as DVDs in those days. Yeah. And then I kind of um, helped spearhead the growth into the corporate sector. We still do a lot of graduations. Graduations is still a big part of our business, but um, we've now moved into, you know, the event tech lives the world the um uh, the conferences the exhibitions and the the general video production stuff i think video production is kind of where i started um and so where we've always been key we've always been keen on and and delivered lots of that uh, whether it be for you know a promotional video for a pharmaceutical or you know a university or anything like that so the event sector is um is our is our niche um video streaming events as you'll see on my logo and throughout is our is our is our thing is our niche and it is quite a specialist environment and uh, we've got thousands and billions of hours of uh, all those things so uh, you know we're pretty well versed in that so um that's so that's how we that's where we came from and then obviously as you say in the last few months we've been uh, we've changed that slightly we've we've not really I don't know if I would describe it as pivot, but we've, yeah. we've, defi- we've definitely adapted our solution to be more in line with the virtual stuff. We've been doing hybrid things for forever. In fact, the last shoot before lockdown was a hybrid event. Um, so we've, so we, we're used to doing lots of things. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I guess that's where, that's where my specialities come in. Um, as you can see, we've got, uh, I'm actually in our studio now because yeah. my office is being uh, renovated and I've committed the cardinal sin of video production and I've put a window behind me. So uh, please do as I say, not as I do. I'm used to being behind the camera, not in front of it. 
To be fair, Richard, though, this is a podcast and we do get people that watch. So most of them will be um, listening. And um, Richard does have a very, uh, very impressive um, background and, and the studio. So if you if you are interested and you are listening, you want to have a look, jump onto the video. But it's a podcast, mate. So it doesn't it doesn't matter, yeah, right? Right. In that it's case, audio, audio quality only. Great. Um, so to your point, then, I guess the wider industry has has obviously had live taken away from them and virtual is the thing. And, and maybe to the world, it seems like all of a sudden this is a new thing, right? Like live streaming content and putting it online and letting people engage with it. And, but it's not, right? I mean, like you said earlier, this is something that you've been doing with us at Event Tech Live and, and many others for, for many years, especially the hybrid side, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's really not a new thing. And um, I, I think the industry has struggled to come to terms with. And if I may say you and Paul occasionally with the Event Tech Live stuff mm-hmm. have, have occasionally struggled to come to terms with the fact that, you know, that streaming and video is kind of here to stay. And I think um, if there's one benefit to come out of the, the whole lockdown, I don't know if I'd call it a benefit, but is that people have had to embrace it. And so have started to realize the potential of it. Um, you know, we've been streaming stuff since, well, since I started in 2006 and, you know, YouTube isn't new. Um, you know, it's not, it's not been having a, it's, you know, it's got more than a billion hits a day now. Um, you know, there's, it's, you know, streaming content is not a new thing. Um, it perhaps in the way that people are having to do it now is new to a lot of people, but the, you know, the video production companies and streaming specialists like, like first sight media have, have, we've been doing this for ages. Yeah, I, I, I keep saying to um, people that I engage with is that, you know, companies like yourself, the knowledge, the experience of being able to take an event online um, has been around forever. For me, actually, the, the situation that we're in is somewhat our own fault in that we've not embraced that way of working enough. We've not spent enough time developing our own knowledge and our own skills around it, our team skills around it, investing in companies like you around it we've always seen it as a nice to have not necessarily necessity we, we get the point of sh- pointing cameras at people on stage and putting them on screens right but then we've not as an industry rev- really on mass taken that that step fur- further and gone let's put it online because there's let, let's let's the elephant in the room audience attrition right yeah we feel that if we push stuff online we're going to get less audience and wow has that never ever been um, more to the other, uh, country right now. Like we've seen events online get tens of thousands of people engaging. I, w- I was speaking to a speaker the other day that speaks at events, generally in front of a couple of thousand people. He started doing LinkedIn lives because he got access to that. 20,000 people yeah. per live stream he's getting. So it, it, it works. It's not an audience. Tr- I don't think it's one or the other. I think they can w- work symbiotically. I agree. And I think, I think y- if you if you behave in a way that you think they're going to be, it's going to be one or the other, then it will be one or the other because Mm -hmm. you'll, um, but I think what, what we've seen in lockdown is that people are starting to do hybrid events in, in such a way that the, um, the, the virtual side of it is as important as the offline side of it. And I think once we get that mentality of, okay, well, I've actually got two events going on here. Yep. One of them is online and one of them is offline. When we eventually get back to the offline situation, which hopefully will be soon, um, 
that you just have to deal with them in different ways and then because there's always going to be people that can't you know like you, you know you can't fly across the world to get to this two two hour event for example because it's not feasible it's not realistic but what you're what you're doing by not streaming some of this stuff and I, i'm biased because i run a video streaming company of course yeah. but um uh what you're doing by not streaming it is actually losing the audience that you might have had that you would that would be happy to tune in online but not willing to, to give you the footfall yeah so, no, i agree with that yeah yeah so it's so it's so it's a it's it's very much a double-edged sword um but it needn't be it's kind of what i'm trying to say my my point is i think that let's take an event like event tech live it's, it's in london so it is easily accessible and we tend to get probably we get quite a good conversion rate so 60 percent of our audience always turns up year on year but that means 40% have not turned up. So why have they not turned up? Well, it's not because they weren't interested because otherwise they wouldn't have registered. Other things get in the way, right? Life gets in the way, family gets in the way, work gets right. in the way. So events are quite a big ask when it comes to please come and spend hours of your working important life with me at an event and talk to my exhibitors or sponsors or engage with my speakers and such. And you rightly said just then, sometimes that's not the whole entire event that that person is interested in. Maybe it's just that one key session or that one key person that they want to connect with. And we as an industry have kind of put this barrier, this, this great wall of China in place that says, no, you must come over the, over the, over the wall in order to, to, to participate. Where for me, coming from a digital world like Event Industry News, I try and push my content as far and as wide as possible to get it into the hands of as many people. And that's been that's what's created the success of Event Tech Live is because we've built, built a digital audience there and been able to, to filter them down. So I think there's a massive opportunity. If we can get over that hill of thought of going, oh, well, if I, if I put it online, people aren't going to turn up, then I think we're going to have a much healthier industry going forward because we'll be able to reach more, we'll be able to then drive those online viewers hopefully into physical attendees in future events. Like, there's no denying that the value is still in people meeting up and, and you know, otherwise we'd be like, we'd all just drink at home, wouldn't we, on Zoom? We won't meet in a pub. It's the, it's the kind of same scenario. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what to say other than yes to all of that. <laughs> I mean, that, that is all exactly the sort of thing that I've been saying for 10 years probably. Um, and it and it's taken this pandemic to for other people to start seeing it too, um, and I've been I've been drilling that into you for at least five five years. So I'm good to see it's paying off. I'll be honest with you. I think I was on more on board than than, than maybe other people in my in my um, in my organisation. Not naming no names, Paul. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a fear that's that's there, um, and I think now has unfortunately been one of those moments in time where, like you said, there is no other option. So we have to move forward with something. People are now going through the process. I'm sure your customers are telling you this, like, how do we monetize this? Like, how do we make this pay for us? I've heard one really large organizer do an online event and they were like, honestly, Adam, I made three grand out of it, which is not sustainable. On the other side, I've had organizers that have done online events 
and that will forever be a part of their portfolio now because they made money out of it and actually they got speakers involved that they could have never ever got to their physical event because they could beam them in so are your customers saying the same things? Is it more about monetization and investment that they just don't get a grasp of at the moment? I think, yeah, I th- and I think that's a lot of the reason why they didn't, why they haven't done this before. You know, in the 10 years that I've been banging the drum, a lot of the reason why they haven't done this is because the model that they've got is based on people coming through the door, right? It's, it's people turning up at the Truman Brewery or wherever and, um, and you know, uh, and, and going that way. Um, I think what they're what they're starting to see is that actually there's different ways to monetize these things and it's it's very difficult to charge for a live stream of something it's it's very it's very difficult to have something that's strong enough that people are going to put their hand in their pocket and actually pay for it because there's so much stuff that's free Mm -hmm. right so you can you can access so much stuff um, that might be on the same subject but it's free so what what we're what we're talking to a lot of our customers about and what our customers are starting to see in the last few months is well actually what about sponsorships so there's some logo here or a logo there or what about if it, you know exhibitors have a different sort of experience than the physical stand um at the, at the exhibition hall you know how can we engage with them in a different way um and and i think that's what's there's a lot of thinking outside the box and a, a big dose of it in fact everywhere now where they're, they're starting to see okay well actually that's not going to work but what would work and the thing is there's so much technology out there now you pretty much deliver anything you want um it's just about having that unique idea that's going to help engage your event differently than everybody else's event or as effectively as everybody else's event at least i think you're absolutely right and obviously as a again as a publication that is supported through advertising and sponsorship ultimately to get eyeballs and eyeballs to turn into customers and leads and generation. I that that makes sense to me because I could you know and it's quantifiable, right? Even after the show, if if you go down the road of a and, and let's be honest about it, companies like Coca Cola and Monster and Sony and Samsung, they invest huge amounts of money in eyeball marketing. Like that's how they work. I mean, they've got the budgets for it. But as organizers, we can go down that same route as well, right? We can go, okay, maybe we do the first one and then we've got we've got some numbers, right? We can say our live stream last year was viewed by 5,000 people from 47 different countries. They make, you know, on this platform, this platform, this platform, and we can put a value against that. That ultimately could pay for all of your services and give them money and, and, and make it work, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we did a we did a stream uh, two weeks ago uh, through Facebook, thirty six thousand, um, thirty six thousand connections, and and actually, I would argue, and I'm not going to name the name because I'm about to say something derogatory. I would argue they didn't advertise it particularly well, and yet they got thirty six thousand people tuning in. Um, if 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 it was my brand that was part of that thirty six thousand people, I'd be delighted with that. Um, yeah. And I'd probably be willing to pay a little bit more next time. So I think there's, like I say, it's it's just about thinking about it differently. Yeah. And if we eyeball marketing, I'm going to steal that. I hope that's okay. Um, yeah. And uh, if eyeball marketing is the answer of how we start to deliver these things and still monetize, great. You know, and as long as you, as long as if your aim is to put something in front of people's eyes, that needs to be good and it needs to be engaging. And it needs to be something that they're going to want to keep their eyes on and not just tune out because there's it's such a flooded market at the moment. 
Yeah, and I think from from the way that if I was discussing it with an exhibitor like yourself at Event Tech Live, I would say think about it as an additional investment into to draw further um, people to your stand or your session or your booth or whatever else is going on, like bring the call to action or give something away, maybe a, a guide to monetizing online events. And, and that's something that people want and download, but use, invest in it a little bit. Like the same mood with PPC and Facebook advertising and LinkedIn advertising, right? When you've got some content that you know is valuable to somebody, on the whole, people tend to put a little bit of investment behind it to get the visibility on it, to get the traction, to get the data capture, and then they turn that into business afterwards. Yeah. And I can totally see that working for, going forward. Yeah, and if it's brand recognition you're after, then th- th- this is going to tick the box, right? Um, mm. and, 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 and even if it's just a soft sell, you know, it's a little logo here, it's a little logo there, that's, th- that's something. And sure, you might not be able to charge the... The, the astronomical amounts of money that you were charging at your exhibition. Um, uh, but, you know, you, you have much more, there's much more opportunities in the virtual space because you're not, li- you're not restricted by number of stands that you have available. Um, so I, I think people just need to start shifting their mindset a little. Yeah. And actually, as I say, the technology's out there and the deliverables are there. It's just about tracking them in a different way. I yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I guess... Just picking up there, because I think this would be an interesting tidbit from from your perspective before we move on to to cash, because I want to talk to you about cash as well. What's your, you mentioned Facebook there with 36,000 views, there's there's Twitter, there's LinkedIn Live. I mean, mean, we could even go down the route of YouTube and Twitch and and, and all these kind of platforms. What's, What's the one that you would gravitate towards yourself, Rich? Is there one that seems to perform better in terms of that that reach? It's, it's, it's a really difficult one to answer. And actually, um, at last year's Event Tech Live, 2019's, I did, a, I did a talk on a similar subject about picking your, picking your message and picking your platform for it. I used the um, example of the Fire Festival mm-hmm. going through Instagram because that was their chosen audience, uh, you know, the, the sort of uh, late, early 20s, late teens. And I think it re- we, we, we stream over all of them. We have our own platform that we stream across and we stream through Facebook, YouTube. Um, YouTube does seem to be the most stable most of the time. Um, the next YouTube event I'm going to do is going to crash now. Just <laughs> wrong. Um, but I, I think YouTube and Facebook are probably the two of the social media channels that I would probably recommend if that's what you're after. But yeah. I, really th- I really think you need to think about what, what you're trying to achieve with your live stream. And if what you're trying to live, if what you're trying to achieve with your live stream is to get as many eyeballs on your event as possible, then why wouldn't you do all of them? Yeah, yeah, I think, and especially if you are charging people sponsorship, right? Then you might as well, you as a as an event, as a brand, as a corporate, you've probably got a Facebook, a LinkedIn, a Twitter, a YouTube channel. So yeah, collectively get all those eyeballs together and, and surely you've reached a, a wider audience in that and sense. I think yeah and I think that's I think there's an there's an extra point about that which a lot of people at the moment uh, and indeed and indeed in the past as well are putting all their content behind the registration wall or behind the paywall or something like that and that, that drives me insane because you need to showcase what you're doing and so there should be at least a tidbit that's that's okay here's our here's our keynote session watch how awesome this is and that will then that then might encourage the you know the click through to actually put their hand in their pocket but if you're locking it all away how are they going to know what it looks like first 
Well, that's it. They've got to either be on a database to get an email and you've got to do a really good job of going, you know, please register, come along. And, and there's so many, there's the fear of missing out, isn't there, which we can play on with live streaming, which is like, this is happening right now. And here's a little glimpse behind the curtain of, of what you could get or what you could have. And yeah. I know that's our plan for Event Tech Live, isn't it, Rich, that we are going to use live streaming as ultimately like uh, our eight-hour TV advert, right, that we don't have to pay BBC or like BBC don't do adverts, but ITV an enormous amount of money to get that three-second clip on, on their channel. Yep. Like, we know we've got audiences on there. We've got Ventish News with 55,000. We've got loads of followers on LinkedIn and Facebook and all this kind of stuff. So for me, live stream becomes our, our this, is, this is a highlight reel, and here's some live stuff from the event. Here's a live speaker. Here's a, here's a free session. Not that we're charging for Event Tech Live, but... Here's a, here's a session, a keynote speaker, like keep coming in, come in, come in. And then once yeah. we've got them in the platform, they can engage with other attendees, they can engage with exhibitors like you. That's where the value is. It's our, it's our attraction of, uh, uh, to get them in. Yeah, and it's exactly what we've done at ETL for the last two years, actually, and that we've, we've, picked, we've picked specific sessions in the day to stream mm. live. Mm. And, we've, and we've, we've pushed those out and we've pushed highlights videos out. But the the conversion for all that has always been to get more feet through the door the next day. Absolutely. So when we send out the highlights video at 4.30 on the end of Wednesday, um, it's to try and show people what they're missing so they come on Thursday. Um, but what is changing now is it's trying to get them to do the same thing, but to click on the, to click okay. on the, the platform where all the content is. And so, like I say, it's just about shifting that mindset. And that's a great example of how easy it is to do, really. Yeah. And it's easier to get somebody to click on a link and register for something for them and then than to get them to turn up to an event tomorrow that they weren't really necessarily maybe planning on going to. Right? Exactly. Especially if what you're showcasing on Facebook or YouTube or whatever is the sort of quality that you'll be streaming from Event Tech Live because we're doing it. Um, interestingly then just it's just come to me rich do you think in the future people will invest in having a specific stream based on platform based on persona yeah possibly because i think what, what i was saying earlier about um how it's important that you treat them as two separate events to some extent so you've got the the hybrid content or the the virtual content and the offline content as two separate streams. I think it might be that the, the natural progression of that is, is more targeted content that's, that's targeted at an online viewer that's looking for X or Y. Mm. Um, in the same way that when you're, when you're planning your offline event, you target a specific audience, um, that there might be some content that's, that's out there for free. And it's, you know, it's maybe some of it's great and some of it's, average yep. um but the, the then there's the, the 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 paid for stream all of it's brilliant yeah um and so then yeah it might be doing that but it's about encouraging people from one to the next and a lot of what we've done at etl for example we do we do have other customers i want everybody to know um <laughs> but it's just a good example because we can both talk about it um what we've what we've been doing that and then obviously the end of thursday and throughout the throughout the year until this until the next event we're, we're teasing all that content again we're reminding them what they're missing and what they would have seen if they were there um you know there's the catch-up thursdays i think it is that yeah, you guys yeah, do yeah. with all that yeah. stuff and it's just it's just a way to keep your to keep your event alive throughout um which is which is really interesting which is really different and unique yeah and that brings me on to quality which will come on next but for, for those that are listening and watching i don't mind sharing that through richard 
being able to produce a really high quality content post event as well. And I think that's really important and, and actually get it up onto our YouTube channel sometimes on the same day, right, mate? It's not like it Normally, takes yeah. weeks for, for it to come out. Not only has that provided me with something really digestible to market out to my audience consistently through the year, 52, day, 52 weeks a year until the next event. So it's, it's part of my keeping my event brand alive and in the, in the thoughts and minds of our, our audience. But we sponsored it. You know, we, we sold that opportunity to a customer to say, listen, this is what our plan is. This is a 52 week marketing campaign. So every time we push this to our audience, which is going to our newsletters, our, our socials, our, our database, you know, your, your brand is going to be there. And, and that can be changed and swapped out. And, and, and I know you guys have got your brand on the, on the end of um, our videos as well. Like it's just that constant message and it can drive money as well. So it can, it can be something that as a, it's worth investing in the up, up in the front because you'll be able to rev drive it out the back end and if not pay for the whole thing as it goes along. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think a lot of the, a, a lot of the, a lot of the buzz at the moment um, is about platform. Mm. And there's a lot, there's so many platforms out there now. Um, yeah. uh, and there's, there's so many that are really good as well. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think there's a misconception um there's a misconception out there that getting the right platform is the main job and the only job problem is, is if you've got the right platform, but the content that you're pushing to it is, is really poor. That's, that's the difference between a great online event and a rubbish online event. Um, if, if for me, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I've, I've interviewed event organizers recently who planned on doing it themselves and at the last minute brought a company like yourselves in and, and I've turned around and was like, that was a close shave because if we had to try to do it ourselves. And I liken it to me getting a venue, Truman Brewery, or, or a platform, and then telling my team, right, now go and set cameras up and film it and live stream it, please or do it all yourself. Like, we don't have that skill set. Most event organizers or, or, or event owners probably don't have that skill set and certainly don't want to do it. So why are we treating it differently to, 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 the, to the online world where we're kind of like, well, as long as we've got a platform and we can plug Vimeo into it or YouTube into it and switch a camera on, how hard can it be? Like we wouldn't do that in the real world, would we, on, 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 on scale events at least anyway. And I would never dream of doing that at Event Tech Live. So for me, that the investment has to be in production quality, um, post-production quality, on-site management, because that's not it's not just you, the eyes that turn up with cameras and you point them and, and, and you go outside and have a fag and a coffee, do you? It's like you're working consistently through the event to make sure that everything's tied up with speakers and streams and content mm. and everything. And it starts it starts long before that, Adam, as well, because yeah. a lot of um, a, a lot of what the, the benefit of bringing a company like First Sight Media is, is that we've got so much experience. We've got experience of all sorts of events. So whatever type of event you're looking for, chances are we've done that or something like it. And also chances are we know the technology much better than you do yep. um, because, we, because it's our technology. You know, we, we use it all the time. So if you engage with us early, um, it, it, you engage with a production company early, you're much more likely to get a better result at the end. And I think typically in the last, in the last five years, the video production side of it has been that oh, I've got a bit of budget left. I'll maybe get someone in to do it. Mm, and, yeah. uh, and with yeah. the, with the, with the, uh, the virtual events in particular, that's a really terrible thing to do because yeah. if you, if you get a, a good production company in early, whether you're looking at virtual or hybrid 
Um, if you get a good production company in early, we can help steer you down the right direction. And, and it, so for, for example, I, I hope you don't mind, I'm going to use the example of, of, of about what, three months ago, you, yeah. you Paul and I and, and Paul and Ash from my team, we, we jumped on a Zoom call and we talked and we thrashed out how it might work. And I said to you, Adam, what do you want? What are you trying to achieve? What do you want? You know, the Simon Sinek, start with a why. Why not? What, what are you trying to achieve? And we said, well, okay, this is what we did for another customer that's very similar to what you're after. Does this tick the box, this tick that box, and this tick that box? Oh, okay, there's a box still to tick. Okay, what if we do this? And what if we draw in this? And what if we pull this in? You know, and, it, and it's every, every little detail from you know oh you want to do q a and polling mm. okay well we can recommend slido or poly v or whatever um and it's all those sorts of details that really you shouldn't be doing you're an event organizer you should be concentrating on the content of what your event is going to look like and you know liaising with sponsors and all that sort of stuff let us handle the technology that's what we're here for that's and that's what we're really good at yeah. so uh, i think again massively biased but um i, I couldn't agree more about it, it being really important to engage with a good production company early. Yeah, no, you'll I, end I, up with a better result. For sure. I agree, man. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, there, there's obviously, there's been a part of the industry that have been hopeful that live comes back before they have to go down the online route or the hybrid route. And, and let's be honest about it, we're recording this on the 21st of August. In the, in the main, most events aren't going to come back till 2021, at least Q1. And this is this is the world that we live in now. Like we we ha you you either have two options: you either work and do stuff, or you wait. And but that has also obviously put people under a, a, an immense amount of pressure of of waiting, 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 and then having really really short lead times. Right. So I want to talk to you about one of the misconceptions because you mentioned a great one before we started talking, and it's I guess it's around planning as well. But can you share your biggest misconception that you kind of come across when you're when you're dealing with people who are inquiring? Yeah, the worst one is okay. Well, I've got my agenda, so I'm just going to stream it. Mm. Um, it, it's just um, I held my hand, head in my hands there for those of you that are listening, um, because it's a very different way of consuming content online. And so you can't take your eight hour agenda and just stream it. I mean, you can. Don't get me wrong. Actually, you can do that. But you're not, yeah. it, it's not going to be engaging. And, and, and what's what's really important in 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 these difficult times or whatever the term is, is that there is there is a saturation of this market and there is lots of content out there and lots of things that you can that you can see so what you need to do is you need to make sure that every single minute of your live stream is gold okay and i don't, and i don't mean it's good i mean it's gold yeah. um and so if you've got eight hours of content which is what maybe a 90 minute presentation followed by a 30 minute panel discussion followed by another 90 minute that 90 minute presentation should be 15 minutes right? It should be no more than that. It should be 15 minutes. And um, it should then, it should lead on to something engaging. You know, panel discussion is a great example of engaging online. Um, and so you, you can't just take eight hours of presentations uh, because the term death by PowerPoint has never been more appropriate um, than it is in the, in the COVID-19 virtual environment because yeah. people will tune off. And it's so easy when you're staring down the, you're staring down the barrel of your laptop it's so easy to just go, oh, I'll just check the BBC website. And all of a sudden you're tuned out and you've yeah. gone, oh yeah, I was watching that thing. Oh, well, I'll do something else now. 
Yep. So you need to keep it constantly engaging. And there's some great ways to help with that, you know, such as uh, I mentioned Slido before and, you know, polling and, and quizzes and all that sort of stuff. There's some great way to do it. But if your content is laborious and relentless, you're going you're gonna to lose people quick because there's so much else for them to do. I, I heard of a crazy one the other day, which was an, an organiser that delivered something in the region, I think it was six hours, on a weekend right. with no agenda, just okay. speakers and content. They were like, like, when's the content on that I actually want to watch? Like, is it at the beginning of the event? Is it towards the end of the event? I think they thought that like it would almost force people to stay on. But at the weekend, mate, I've got not only work stuff, obviously, bubbling in my head from, from the week before, what's coming up next week, but family and friends and rub mm. and all, all those other distractions. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? yeah. It's like, so I totally agree with you. I think, I think condensing content down, one of the best presentations I felt that I ever delivered, I was given seven minutes. Right. Seven minutes to deliver a presentation. And you cut the crap. Like, you really do. You get to the point. And, and I think almost having shorter snippets online but more content but you can still fill the eight hours right but you can do other stuff and and do maybe do some fun stuff like i want to see more people do bring a light bring a live stream a dj at, at, at lunchtime while everybody's wanting to make a a, a, a sandwich or something like because people still need to eat right why are we why are we streaming content through the times when we know people want to eat like let's have a break or a coffee break or or do something fun like I don't know, do a cooking show, make an omelette, show somebody how to do that. But it's exactly, exactly, it's exactly the point that I'm making to all our customers at the moment. Someone picks up the phone and says, we want to do this. Um, and it's, it's all about having a hook. What is, mm. the, what, what is the key reason that I'm going to tune into this? And is it, um, is it because there's a celebrity speaker yep. in the second half of the content? Is it because there's um, you know, a panel discussion with some really important key figures in your industry that you're desperate to hear from? What is the hook that's going to drag people to your event? And, and that's always been the case, whether it's offline or online. It's been the same thing. Like, what's the drag? You know, the drag to Event Tech Live is that you get lots of event technologies all in the same place and you can enjoy yep. it, right? Yep. Um, so what's the, what's the hook for your online event um, and, and there are some there are some cheeky little ways to deal with that, you, you know, like like having a you know a cooking show or a you know a quiz or a whatever it is. Um, but it's all got to be it's all got to be good content because otherwise, by the time they get to the hook, they, they've tuned out and you've yeah. missed the boat. Yeah, absolutely. Have you got any really cool tidbits or anything that you've seen that you 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 want to share? Any any secret sauce that you might give away as a as a bit of a way to add that that golden touch? Well, I mean, like I say, celebrity speakers are always a good one. Uh, we've done a couple of awards shows with uh, Dara Breen did one and um, Stephen Mulhern. They were fa they were fantastic. Um, and, uh, you know, only I mean, anything's going to be fantastic. It's got catchphrase in the middle of it. Right. <laughs> um, so it, but, but, but the, 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 the principle is, is the principle is a simple one. And it's just have little nuggets of things that you wouldn't think of you know a catchphrase catchphrase in playing catchphrase in the middle of an awards show yeah. with a couple of live speakers is just a great way to keep people engaged you know and it might be that you know you've done five or six um awards so people have started to sort of drift off a little bit but boom you just change the you just change the pace you, you you completely pivot on that and you do something completely different that wakes them back up again and they're ready to watch the next four or five yeah so it, it, it really depends on the event but um yeah there's lots of ways that you can do these things uh, to make it interesting but keep it interesting that's the key 
repetitive first mate i'm going to do the big event technology awards quiz and uh, and, and break up the because let's uh, I'm, I'm just on awards formats like let's be honest everybody that organizes them everybody that attends them they're not the most exciting of things unless you win yes brilliant you've won an award fantastic we'll get behind the bar get the champagne going but on the whole, because the format is so restrictive, right, that you, you have to sit there and behave and listen to the awards. But like breaking stuff up like that and having chats and things, because that's one of the things you can't really do at awards, is it? You can't really chat to other people Absolutely. and stuff like that. So, But maybe yeah. with the technology and the platforms now, you can have that cheeky banter with uh, the person that's online that would have maybe been sat four tables away from you and you just never never got the chance. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Dara O'Brien made a G&T mid-show. Mid Awesome, mate. So, and, and you know what? A science trick. I would clever. imagine as well for the organiser, that was probably, again, more cost effective because they didn't have to get them to travel. They didn't have to put them up in a hotel overnight. You know, Dara can go back and sit on the on the sofa after eating a bowl of nachos, watching Netflix, and, and, and he's all good, right? So for him, it's actually a more... It's a, it's a, he'd probably do more, less stressful work overall. And I would imagine that the, the organiser probably got a better rate out of it than dragging him to London or something like that. Yeah, and also, they, you know, they didn't have a, you know, normally they they have a massive uh, hotel that they'll they'll put loads of people up and, and then they'll hire the biggest space in this hotel. They had none of those costs. Um, mm. So um, the, the, the other point about monetization is you've got to consider what you're not spending as well. So you're, if you're still able to if you're still able to engage with your sponsors and therefore your attendees and all that sort of stuff, um, you might, you might only be able to charge them, you know, half of what you charged them before. I don't know. I'm plucking numbers out of the sky here, but half of what you charged them before, but you're probably spending a third uh, or less. Um, because if the, if the, the, the venue and the catering is the most expensive part of your event budget, well, that's gone. If you're doing it virtually, if you're doing it hybrid, that's different. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, you got to you got to look at the whole picture when you're thinking outside the box. I wonder what you think as well. Like one of the, and this is something I've discussed with other industry peers, and and we can definitely see it as a format going forward. You know, generally events revolve around an industry, and that industry is very rarely localized to to one particular country or area of of, of the world, right? Like. You know, let, let's take the Event Technology Awards. We have customers and companies from all around the world participate in, in those awards and ultimately come to, to the event. I can see a future that's hybrid, which is kind of like a multi-spoke, multi-hub, um, maybe one centralised event. Maybe that moves around, so it doesn't necessarily always have to live in London. Maybe it can move to these other countries. But then a way for people within certain regions to be able to still connect physically while watching the live stream, while still engaging on apps and bits and bobs of, of chatting to other people in London or wherever they are, and still having that the, the, the best part about physical, which is coming together in pockets, but still engaging with this big event. And, and that's really maybe where the power of online and, and live streaming really gets unleashed is, is connecting people up in pockets, but still bringing them together themselves. Yeah, it's 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 the 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 barrier of geography that um, live yeah. streaming really helps. I mean, we so one of the first uh, one of the first things that we developed a solution for is virtual graduations, um, because of course you know that's what we do, and and I think we've got fifty five university clients, and they were all looking to us to go, well, what do we do? Yeah. And so we we created a solution whereby um, all the uh, all the graduands are able to to dial in. And, and, you know, we can see their faces and they can chat with their peers. 
um, in, a, in, a, in a virtual environment and then we cut to them when their name is announced. So it's the same, it's the same as an awards show, you know, you could do the same thing uh, and we do do the same thing all the time, but um, it, it means that you've, it means that you've got the opportunity when we start to get back. And I, I think we can all agree it's, there's not going to be a magic, uh, a magic point where we go, Oh, it's the 1st of January. Now that's the end of that. We can all crack on. Um, there's going to be, there's going to be times where, you know, it, taking the graduation example further where, okay, so let's say we do a graduation in, in March time. Um, and all of a sudden the, the guests that were going to, the graduates that were going to attend from Italy are back in lockdown. So they yeah. can't come. There's got to be a way that we can still bring them in. And that's, that's something that we, we, that our virtual graduation solution has been able to bring in because we can easily flip it to hybrid and we can flip it on a, on a knife edge. So if, you know, if it's literally two days before, and they say, okay, Italy's going into lockdown. We'll need to bring all these people in. That's fine. Um, so I, I, I can't remember your question, and indeed I've answered it. But uh, my, my, my point is, is there's always the technology there that you can still deliver whatever you want. Yeah, I think, I think what I'm taking away from that is that the, the technology can be the, the backup, the plan B to, to anything like coronavirus, travel restrictions, whatever it is maybe it's got a more positive spin which is those organizations the industry just wants to be a little bit more sustainable and support sustainability and inclusivity you know we don't talk about we we expect people to come to a physical event and i know of many people that are able to get to a physical event but it's a challenge you know getting on 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 transport getting to the venue Truman Brewery is not a wheelchair friendly venue you know you as an organizer you have to go and above beyond the, the 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 person in the wheelchair has to make some compromises because they have to be brought up in lifts and things like that like what about inclusivity we we you know and sustainability that is something that that live streaming content really can help with because then they don't need to go through all that process to get to a physical event and can still engage in it and and, and do it so that's a good enough reason for me personally to, to see this as part and parcel of how event organizers ensure that they provide a platform that is fair and considerate to everybody that might be in their demographic of audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Inclusivity is a key, is a key, is a key one as well. And the other really, the other really important one is about that people don't always think about is that if you capture that footage well in the first place, you've then got it to use again and again and again. Um, you know, we mentioned the ETL replay stuff is a good yeah. example of that. But if you're, if you're going to go back to using a production company now, but if you don't use a production company and the quality of your stream is poor, yeah. or your quality of your captured footage is poor it's not going to have the same value to you moving forward whereas if you've got if you've got that high quality stuff you know let's say for example you did an event well let's stick with event tech live right so let's say you weren't doing event tech live in november which hopefully we will in fact we definitely will be um um you, you've still got all that content from last year and the year before and the year before that that you can keep you can keep your brand alive and you can keep your um, event alive because you've got this great quality content that's the same as soon as you've captured it you've got it yeah. you know, just just keep hold of it and, and just re repurpose it reuse it you can use it for um you, you know to help you monetize um you know to continue to help you monetize even after your event is finished yeah there's a there's a, 
a great organiser out there called William Thomas. Some of you might know him. He's been delivering online events for years. He takes some of his live content as well as his online content and he kind of repackages it into a course that people can follow because that's how good some of the content is. But he doesn't just, again, he doesn't just take it and go dump it online and, and off you go. He, he thinks about how that's being curated into these like small mini courses. And I think they're super accessible. I mean, they're like £49 or something to access a, a six session course or something. And that will literally take you through one aspect of whatever it is he's doing and that to me is for him a great way of repurposing that content a revenue stream and a really nice accessible way because he's packaged it up nicely to go if you want to learn about this this is the six videos that you need to to watch or, or learn about if, if you want to learn this this is it and it's pockets of, of sessions and stuff from all different types of events brought together as, yeah. as and that to me is where event organizers need to start thinking like media companies they need to stop thinking about that one moment in time and they need to think about what are we creating and how can we extrapolate things from all of that. But it always has to be backed up by that quality, right? Like if it looks crap, if it doesn't read well, if it doesn't sound great, people are going to switch off. It yeah. is as simple as that. Oh, it's going to be a detriment to your brand ultimately because it's not what people expect, especially if they're investing a fair chunk of money in accessing that content in the first place. And they're going to associate that with your event moving forward. If, yeah, if, if that's, you know, if that's the quality, they're going to associate your event with that kind of quality moving forward. But creation's a, curation is a really great word there. Um, and if you, think about, if you think about it in a way that you're curating this content, um, you, wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you, know, you wouldn't go to a library and look at a, a delicate book without a pair of gloves on. Why mm. would you film something yourself without, you know, without getting someone in specialist to do it? And it's, you know, not the greatest analogy, but, it, it, you know, I, I think my point is that if you're going to want this moving forward, get it right first time, and then you won't have to be polishing it or trying to polish it to, uh, to move forward with it. Okay, so that brings me on to probably one of the biggest points, but how much? Like, what, what should people be thinking about when they're investing or trying to budget for this as part of... A part of their their event and I know it's a bit of a like well how long is a piece of string because how many cameras do you need what's what, what all that kind of stuff but I know like from again coming back to what we've got planned we're going to we've got as an organizer we're investing ahead of the event in actually doing some pre-records and having that done professionally rather than just relying on the speakers or the because that will have a benefit to us post-production when it actually gets presented to the audience won't it, in terms of quality yeah. and then I guess there's is it just a virtual event? Is it a hybrid event and all that kind of stuff? But honestly, Richard, like smallest figure to, to, to largest figure, what, what should people be really considering or how should they budget for it is probably more the, the important question. Well, I think the easiest way of how you should budget for it is to, to engage with someone like First Time Media early and then we mm. can give you some options and we can give you some solutions and we can help you steer that budget. Um, but you want some numbers, so I'll give you some. I do. So, um, so, you know, if you're thinking, if you're thinking just virtual, the, the, the cost is generally much better because we can do it from, you know, one of the studios, like the one behind me, for example. Um, and you could, you could, you can be talking, you know, as little as kind of 1500 quid, um, to anything as much as, you know, 1500 quid for a day to, you know, 25 grand for the week or anything like that. Yeah. Um, 
but it, it, it really is how long's a piece of string. But then if you, but when you, when you go into hybrid, you do, you, the, the costs do, up, go, do go up a lot because you've got, you've got an offline team that are capturing that stuff offline, but then you've got a virtual team that are delivering that virtual element. So you, all of a yep. sudden you're doubling your money a little bit. Um, but again, you're doubling your audience. So you, yep. you, you know, it's six or one half a dozen, but I mean, I think, I think anything from, you know, if you, if you, if you've got a smaller event and you just want a professional videographer to come and capture your one stage or do a highlights video properly, you know, you could do it, yeah, you know, 750 quid, you could get easily, easily deliver that for that. Um, but then, you know, you can go to town and, you know, someone like, you know, like first time media is we can do all the bits. So it's yeah. not just, it's not just the video side of it. We could do your staging for you and you, and you're this and you're that and your other. And so all of a sudden you can be talking, you know, 50 grand for a really good event. But, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, a I think a fair budget, if you've got five grand in your pocket, you'll, you, you'll get, you'll get good some good, you'll get some good deliverables for that. I think. Yeah. And, 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 you know, at the moment, considering the environment that we're in, like every penny counts, right. I, I appreciate that. But you know, when it comes to the representation of your brand, the quality, the, the, the decreasing stress level of trying to do something yourself or worse doing it and doing it badly. Like I, I that investment I think is, is worthwhile. And, and, you know, we are in the business of selling sponsorship and eyeballs and all that kind of stuff to, to our customers. So we should absolutely be able to sell this. I mean, you mentioned 50 grand there. I'm thinking, right, okay, if I was charging something 50 grand, what would I expect them to achieve in a level of exposure? You'd probably break it down so there'd be a number of sponsors, make it a bit more palatable or, or offer it to one person to take, to take any potential competition and all that kind of stuff out of the way. But, you know, a, a, a Facebook live stream of, of 36,000, is it really that much of an ask to say, well, listen, I can, how much would it cost you to reach all of those? Is it a, a pound an eyeball of the highly engaged audience? And, you know, you're, you're pretty much all of the way there for, to, to covering the cost of it, right? Mm. Um, if you can monetize it afterwards. I, it, do you know what, Rich? We should probably do a, a an article on all the ways that you can monetize film and live streaming at your event and just give them a list and I'll put prices next to it of what they should be charging because I think I think you know just off the top of my head of what we're thinking about Event Tech Live 50 grand I'm not saying it'd be easy but it's definitely doable to sell that on a sponsorship if you broke it down in or, or packaged it up as resale opportunities or certain content as VIP access and that's that's a paid for thing like that that's achievable um but it goes, but it, yeah. yeah but it goes back to the original the original part of this you know the start of this convo, this whole conversation about what are you trying to achieve and how yeah. are you how are you going to achieve it and if your sponsor is trying to achieve thirty six thousand eyeballs they are they're yeah. done um if you're but if your sponsor is trying to achieve something different then you might sell them something different but there's always going to be a sponsor that is looking for thirty six thousand eyeballs um and so there's, there's always a, the, and it's about, again, it goes back to the beginning point. It's about thinking outside the box and how can you, how can you convert the new way of doing things or the new way that you're looking to do things into something that is, you know, hard cash, which is what we're all after, right? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Mate. Well, cash, maybe not. So I don't, I don't run for you. I know. Yeah. Do like, um, can I do contactless payment? Can you, can I just sure. take, tap, sure. tap to pay? Yeah. Richard, one of my final questions for you is, and it's a bit of a crystal ball thing, so I appreciate it, it, it's a really hard one, but 
what do you th think is the next big thing? What, what's coming in live streaming or online events from, from your perspective? What are you excited to see happen? Whether it's from a format perspective or a technology perspective or the ability, like where are you at as a supplier? What's the, what's the, what's on the horizon for you? I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the virtual space at the moment. And because we, because I've been banging this drum for so long mm. and finally it's starting to happen. And because people are doing it, it's evolving relentlessly. And it's, and it's the, the evolution of the, the hybrid and virtual event in the last six months has been far better than it has been in the last, you know, six years before that. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And so, you know, so much so that some of my customers are saying, okay, well, this went so well that I think what we're going to do is every other year, one will be virtual, then it will be offline, and then it will be virtual again. Because the amount of money this has saved me, um, it, it just makes perfect sense, particularly when you're talking about internal audiences and stuff like that, where the eyeball isn't that important. Um, but um, I think there's some really, you know, you know the, the, the platforms are up in their game, the, the streaming platforms are up in their game. Um, and indeed the clients are willing to take, our clients are willing to take more risks and therefore deliver more success. And I think that's just going to keep going for the next six, six to 12 months. Um, when hopefully the, the, the virtual or hybrid element of events will be here to stay. I don't think we've even hit the tip of the iceberg when it comes to online and virtual events. I think that there's somewhat, they've been tarnished with the webinar brush you know the, the crap online slide presentation no yeah. person on the front end of it now obviously we're in this phase of professional people who run businesses figuring it out because they've got events to to facilitate and, and businesses to stay healthy but i think online events will be will blow up and be absolutely dominated by content creators by publishers, by magazine owners, by website owners like Event Industry News, by the guys on YouTube, because they've got audience already. And what better way to spin up revenue and, and, and community by producing online events? Now, you mentioned YouTube earlier. Like at the moment, the content creators on YouTube are slaves to Google because their revenue comes through them. Google decides how much of a cut they get based on what niche they're in. They don't have direct communication with their community other than putting videos up because they don't really data collect unless they've got like somewhere else. Now, and this goes for podcasting and, and it's all encompassing like MKBHD, which is somebody I'm a massive fan of. He's a, he's a tech YouTuber. He's, he was started at 17. He's now amassed an audience of 10 million, right? Are you telling me that he could, he doesn't have the technical ability and the team in place to be able to produce an online event? course he does like and he has direct access to people like apple and, and samsung so he could get the sponsorship for it as well and then he can control that and i think that's potentially the biggest challenge that some of these live streaming platforms have to overcome yes they can be the platform in which they reach an audience but there's all this technology out there that those the, those content creators can take that audience away from their platform and yeah. monetize it but so it I goes back it goes back to my point it's about eyeballs and it's yep. about a hook and yep. so if you've got if you've got that audience already in play, um, whether it be your, you, you know, through your YouTube channel or through your, you know, event industry news subscribers, whatever it is, if you've got that audience in play, use them yep. and but make sure there's a hook to get them in and keep them in. Absolutely. All right. Then, mate, final question for all of those listeners and viewers that, that want to 
book you tomorrow for their events or for, for Q1 events, where's the best place to connect up with you guys and, and talk about their own requirements? Well, um, uh, obviously our website, firstsite.media, you can find all the stuff there. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Um, all those things uh, is very simple way of getting hold of us. Uh, we're, we're kind of everywhere. Um, or, that's, you know, head that's to the way you're supposed finished. to be as a live streaming company, mate. You're supposed to be everywhere. That's how exactly. it works. <laughs> yeah, quite right. Thanks for coming on today. I'm sure there's going to be another one in the pipeline that we will talk about in a few months once a, a few more of these online events have been produced and, and ultimately when hybrid events, because I think that that's also when things are going to change again once hybrid comes back into play, once we can do physical and live, right? Yeah, 100%. So, yeah. Thank you very much for coming on today, mate, and we'll Pleasure. catch you in the next one. Take care.